Hello everyone and welcome to this, the fourth and final episode of the Stagey Place Edinburgh Fringe Specials, where over the past four weeks we have been bringing you interviews from companies who are bringing their shows up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2023. And what an amazing series this has been. We have had record-breaking numbers for downloads on all of our episodes these past few weeks, which is incredible, and our following has grown on both Twitter and Instagram. So thank Thank you if you are one of these people who have joined us over the past couple of weeks. The Stagey Place runs all throughout the year with interviews from creatives who work all across the country. So do make sure to keep checking us out even when we're not here at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And if this is the first episode that you are listening to of The Stagey Place in one of our specials, do make sure you are following us on social media. We are at The Stagey Place on all social media platforms. So back to our final instalment of The Stagey Place Edinburgh Fringe Specials. I am currently recording in Edinburgh where I have seen some incredible stuff this year. If you look at our Twitter, you'll see that we have also brought back our awards that we started last year and we're currently giving out nominations nominations ready for our long list at the end of the fringe which will then be shortened down halfway through September and then at the end of September we will reveal the winners of this year's Stagey Place Edinburgh Fringe Special Awards. A few examples of the nominations that we have given out this year has been Best Comedy for My Last Two Brain Cells, which plays at the Gilded Balloon. Best Sound Design for The Way Way Deep at the Underbelly Cowgate, plus Best Solo Performance for Olivia McLeod's Junk Monkey. We interviewed Olivia on episode one of this series, and it was so lovely to be able to see that show, but also see Almost Adult, which is the Charlotte and Tilly show, also at Gilded Balloon. Charlotte was one of our guests on the 2022 series of the Stagey Place Edinburgh Fringe podcast and I love the production so much that we have also nominated that show for best solo performance for Charlotte and best script for Almost Adult. So do make sure to check out our Twitter now or the rest of this week to see the final nominations given out for our long list of this year's awards. So let's get back to today's episode where we are chatting with four companies who are up in Edinburgh this year and we're starting off with Louis, the writer and performer of Chatham House Rules which is playing at the Pleasant's Courtyard in Bunker One. Hello Louis and welcome to one of our special episodes here on the Stage Place talking about the Edinburgh Fringe. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. How are you? I am very good, thank you. I'm very excited to chat with you because talking about the Edinburgh Fringe is one of my favourite things to do and you are bringing a show up this year in 2023 that is Chatham's Rules to the Pleasance Courtyard in Bunker One for the whole month from the second... Every day. Yeah, every day. Middle Monday. They were like, don't worry, you can get the Middle Monday off. And I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of respite for one day probably get out of yeah. edinburgh and just um, a walk detox <laughs> yeah. yeah so let's talk about chatham house rules then what was the inspiration behind because you are the writer and the performer of the show i am the inspiration was so it's about a unhinged front of house shift working at a nondescript members only farmhouse in the cotswold so there's not many of them so you might guess which one it is and it was just after COVID and someone who popped up to me on Facebook and said, you want to make 300 quid in two days, we'll ferry you out to this place. It will be really fun. And then we'll ferry you back. And I was just like, yeah, brilliant. Thank you. And so the event itself was like a tech networking event. And when we got there, they were like, everyone needs to be called by their first name because it's operating under Chatham House rules, which means it's old boys club rule. We don't talk about this afterwards. It's kind of like a non-legal press embargo. Yeah. And we were like, well, last year, you know, we had Prince Harry and we just had to call him Harry. And we had David Attenborough came and we just had to call him David. And we want to make everyone feel like your friend. And, you know, this is a, a neutral space for everybody. And then someone was like, OK, and what's an example of a job that we'll be doing? And they were like, well, when the Jets pack comes in at four everyone needs to go around and make sure everyone's got earplugs so it all kind of started like that where it was like this is going to be great it's going to be really fun and then as it progressed it became really clear that it was essentially a Tory party conference full of the kind of most successful people in tech in the world demoing the technology that was going to be there for the next 10 years and it was essentially telling people what to invest in so that 
they would be able to kind of continue being billionaires and having their fingers in the right pies and just seemingly just because they know. But there was essentially some really nice talks where it was kind of the future of mental health treatment and it was all about mushrooms and microdosing, but they were very minor. And then it was things about like the business smarts behind comic relief and how uh, it started as a business plan within a charity. And there was a certain prime minister who had sex with a pig who arrived and it was at that point where I was kind of having a miserable time anyway and I felt really horrible being there and seeing him be followed around by kind of like fawning fans and young Tories just kind of desperate to kind of get his approval and hear what he had to say and he was walking around talking about how Boris had really messed up COVID and what he would have done better PPE 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 you know that's where he really messed up blah 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 and um I had this moment where we were sent back to a hotel at about 1am we weren't allowed to stay at the farmhouse we were in a travel lodge on the side of the motorway where I thought I could kill him and that would be punishment for everything that has kind of spiraled and brexit and snowballed since his kind of desperate bid to stay into power and that's what I should do but Obviously, I didn't do that. The next day, I just had to show him where the toilet was and introduce him to Richard Curtis. But the play is essentially that day reaching that point where in real life didn't do anything. And in the play, I do do something. And I'm obsessed with TikTok and how everyone's using it and how it has become. I mean, it's all over Edinburgh Fringe. It's all over any kind of genre of of marketing or business you want you can sell anything on tiktok designed as a karaoke app and it has just spiraled into this thing that is essentially the backbone of what especially the younger generation of of how they view the world if it can be turned into something on tiktok if it can be funny then it can be sellable and then it can also be impactful so the way that protests and activism is kind of now changing and becoming online as well as protests but the way it's being mobilized and turned into kind of a meme and that is as a as, as effective as a protest I'm really interested in the plays lens through TikTok as well so it's kind of supposed to be as manic as a TikTok feed sure. and then also a very manic story as well <laughs> yeah no absolutely and so after you had that weekend then that real life weekend in the Cotswolds yeah. in the farmhouse did you already know that this was going to be something that you wanted to write into a play because it feels like there's there's quite a lot of embargo going on in this weekend yeah. like when you make the show and you perform the show would there ever be any yeah, back- do you think- <laughs> yeah do you think there well, would be a backlash no because yeah. a Chatham House rules isn't legal okay. and that, that yeah. encapsulates everything that I was so pissed off about yeah. and angry about where it's an old boys club rule but we were expected as workers to take it as law and like punishable by like you could be yeah you could be sued but looking at it it's not it's yeah. just these people in power use it and lots of business meeting have really high up business meeting happens at Chatham House Rules. Lots of COVID parliamentary meetings would have happened under Chatham House Rules. It's not legally binding. No. It's just like so-and-so at the top says we're not allowed to talk about it and he went to Eton, so, you know, you've got to listen to him. But I think the challenge of something where you're not allowed to specifically talk about it gave me a real kind of motivation to kind of tell it Mm. because you can just make it really fun and stupid and make up names for people and then seeing how obvious you can get and how unobvious you can get and by the end people hopefully realize who it is but there'll be some things that i've spoken about you'll be like straight away know who that is Mm. and then actually there'll be other things that are a little bit more hard to read which might be maybe i would get a cease and desist for that Um, (laughs) hopefully not hopefully not but i didn't know I was going to write about it until it was about a week later and I was still angry about it and I hadn't written anything for a while. COVID had really knocked me for six a bit creatively where I was just not passionate about doing anything anymore and, and um, had the, bit, the, the wind taken out of me. And then this, I just was like, oh, I really feel something. I didn't write it expecting for it ever to be made because I wrote, I originally started writing out the, the speech that one of them gave because I'd recorded it. So I just started typing that out. I started typing up the Facebook conversation of the person who asked me and then embellishing it and then it just kind of spiraled from there and then a zoom training that like kind of the the car ride there yeah it was just kind of at first it felt like just kind of transcribing all these weird fever dream memories I had that led up to this event and then it just became it became what it is which is is a one-person show and it was written originally for Vault not the year that's just passed last year which would have been 2020 Two. Two. Um, yeah. But it was cancelled 
due to COVID. And then the Pleasants saved some shows, really, that had, that didn't get the opportunity to perform at Pops. And so it was on at Pleasants for about four nights. And that's where the Pleasants saw it. And then now they're taking it to Fringe, which is amazing. So for people who are coming to see it at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, yeah. who would your ideal audience member be coming to watch the show? Oh, I'd love it to be a Tory party conference, but they're like strapped in and gagged and they can't leave. Yeah. And they're like kind of clockwork orange sat there with kind of their eyes held open. That would be lovely. But I think... Um, I would love people who are really into TikTok to come and go, yes, you've got it. Like, they've done a good job with that because I've, I've become obsessed with TikTok myself, which is horrible. It sucks away all the time you have. But I want it to be like a really accurate TikTok play and really like get it. And maybe for people who are kind of centrist uh, politically who could yeah. maybe be swayed by it and get angry about it just because I wouldn't vote for Keir Starmer either but but because we've got to where we've got under Tory rule we just need to stop and get rid of them and vote away from them so yeah people who are undecided on on who they're voting for next time maybe and so Louis you are heading up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year for the whole yeah. month with Chatham House Rules. What are you most looking forward to as a performer, whether or not that's with the show, or is there anybody else that you know going up that you're really excited to see whilst you're up for the whole month in August? I'm so excited just to see as much as possible, really. I'm really excited for everyone else to be in the same boat and I won't be able to complain about how tired I am and how my voice <laughs> is going. Yeah, I want to see as, as many kind of one-person shows as possible. I love a company called Silent Faces, and they've been touring with a show called Godo is a Woman. I've not been able to see it, so I'm definitely going to see them. And I've kind of had this... I'm really excited about it, but I'm also slightly terrified. I have been looking at everyone else's shows, but not in depth, because I'm panicking about mine. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when I'm there, I'm just going to kind of breathe and see as much as possible yeah well yeah. louis thank you so much for coming on to talk about chatham house rules before i leave you though do you just want yeah. to give a shout out to the team that you have on for this time round at the edinburgh fringe i would love to realize i didn't do that so it's being right. directed by the wonderful mitchell polanski he runs the goat exchange theater company and i met him doing a play with him in america and he's very mad and i thought that he would fit the show very well you could do mad things. And Ellen Larson, who was a producer with Payne's Plough last year, she was yeah. a pool at the Fringe. And I messaged her on Twitter thinking she would never reply. Just I, I think I just sent her the script, please. <laughs> and then she's been on board and she's a miracle worker. And Abby Sage is going to be our tech person and she'll be there the whole time with me. And yeah, it'll just be the, the four of us going up. And I'm really excited and very grateful. Well, Louis, again, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Once again, we've been talking about Chatham House Rules, which is on at the Pleasance Courtyard in Bunker One at 1pm from the 2nd to the 28th of August with the 14th of August a day off for you you to hopefully enjoy yourself and get away from everywhere and just yeah yeah, spa day detox do whatever you need to do (laughs) Louis thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me Well, there we go. That was our first interview of today's specials with Louis, the writer and performer of Chatham House Rules, which plays at Bunker 1 from 1 until 2pm. Now, I got to see Chatham House Rules earlier on this week. I really enjoyed the way that TikTok was used to create the narrative of the shows. Plus, Louis' writing really grips you in and keeps you howled within that space over the hour. So it's an incredible production. And I really hope that you guys are able to see it if you are still up in Edinburgh this year. On to our second interview of today's episode now then. And after a short run in London earlier this year, Nathaniel Jones is bringing up his folk musical Sing River to Bunker One from 11.45 until 12.45 every day of The Fringe. Hello Nathaniel and welcome to The Stage of Place. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today, thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. We are talking today about Sing River, which is at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. So before we talk about Edinburgh, let's talk about the show itself for people who maybe Mm -hmm. want to come and see the show in Edinburgh when this episode gets released. So Nathaniel, tell us a little bit about Sing River. Who's the character that we meet and where do we find them at the start of the show? So the show is set at the bottom of the River Thames um, in amongst the, the rubble, 
and kind of buried treasure that's down there. And the the show is essentially a, a queer folk musical where we meet this character right at the start who runs in, he hears the river singing to him. And every year the river sings to him and it, and it's an invite to come down to the bottom of the riverbed. So at the start, he, he descends down to the bottom of the riverbed and he kind of welcomes the audience in and explains kind of what's happening to like on, on this Midsummer's Eve. And essentially it's his job every year to go through the, the objects on the riverbed and try and figure out what some of them mean and what they mean for the history of the river and the people who have used the river. It's his prerogative every year to try and find this pureness in history. He wants to push past what we think about history and what we think history is. He wants to push past all the things that he thinks has corrupted history and has corrupted society over the years and well over the millennia. And he is like, I want to find the truth, the pure version of history. And so throughout the show, we see him going through these various objects on the bottom of the river in search of this history, this uncorrupt history. I can't tell you much more than that because it will be giving it away. Um, But that is the premise of the show. Great. And how did the idea come about that this was going to be set at the bottom of the River Thames? Like, which point were you like, this is the kind of story that I want to tell? Well, it wasn't actually anything kind of like that at the start. It took me a very long time to get the the form and the setting of this show. So we originally did a very, very initial run of this kind of idea of the show in Oxford in February mm. in a little black box studio. And that show is kind kind of kind of like what the show is now but i got to the end of that run and i wasn't unhappy with the script everyone was everyone was happy with it you know the feedback was fine but i kind of got down to making edits and i was like okay we've got this london run and that i'm going to make edits obviously and then bit by bit day by day i kind of realized as it just dawned on me that i was like this isn't the show that i had set out this isn't the show that I wanted to tell. It might have the same content and it might have the same kind of tone to it, but it just wasn't what I wanted to tell. It was still always set on Midsummer's Eve, but originally it was set at a festival at like a, a kind of like open mic night festival um, kind of vibe where the character comes onto the stage and he is the performer for the night. He, he is like, welcome everyone. I'm going to perform for you on Midsummer's Eve. And he does this whole performance with all these songs and then it slowly starts to unravel. But yeah, so I, I, when I was doing edits, I was like, I'm going to change this all completely. And I think initially I was like, could this be set on the riverbed? But I kind of decided to tone it down whilst I was in Oxford because I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to get this, if anyone's going to think this is a bit weird. Yeah. But then when I was like, well, I'm taking this to fringe, I was like, I think people will uh, will, will understand and appreciate um, a bit of a weird setting. Yeah. So, so yeah, so then I was like, no, we're just going to take it to the, the nth of, of supernatural. And at no point in the play is it explained that the logistics of how he's on the riverbed, how yeah. he's breathing, how he's talking. At no <laughs> point is that. It's just he is on the riverbed and you yeah. are there with him. I really enjoy that, that kind of like slight absurdity of like, how is he there? Like, he's yeah. not swimming. He's just kind of like walking around. But yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. It's such a really fun tone of like absurdity, but also kind of like this dark supernatural world yeah i really like that i really like what you just said there about people will just go along for the ride of it yeah if you think about london like in london you probably only see like one show a day unless you're seeing the matinee and then you're going to be whereas in edinburgh obviously people are probably seeing like four or five shows a day they they want to be surprised they want to see something different and so they'll probably really clamber for a show that is just set somewhere that you know just like wouldn't be possible in terms of like you know it's being able to breathe on the riverbed of the river thames they just want to see something completely different so tell me a little bit about what you're excited for with edinburgh and you know is there a certain scene is there a certain song because like we say it's a folk musical that you are most excited for audiences to hear I think in terms of music that I'm excited for people to hear, it would have to be the song that isn't released. So we have released four of our songs. The first four songs are on SoundCloud at the moment. Yeah, we recorded them all kind of immediately after we wrote them all. And we were like, we can get this out, try and generate some interest with the music. 
Um, and it's worked quite well. But there is a final song in the show. And I could not possibly tell you what this song is about or what the lyrics are because it would ruin the whole show. But yes, there is a, a fifth unknown song, which is actually like quite, it's quite funny because people come out the theatre humming this fifth song right. and they come up to me and they're like, I really loved this fifth song because it just kind of like sticks in your head and I was like yeah I'm really sorry that is the only one that you actually can't listen to outside of this performance so I'm really excited for people to see that because like yeah we get that quite a lot of people being like why haven't you recorded that one and I kind of look at them and I'm like well you've seen the show if they hear that song yeah the whole show is spoiled I can't cool. like we can't kind of I can't release that one otherwise no one will come and see the show but yeah so I'm excited for people to see that and just the general atmosphere that we create through our lighting as well is really cool a lot of the show is like very dark like it's in like this like very dark blue world and we have a lot of onstage lights so we have like a chandelier and fairy lights and electric candles. So it's just like the most beautiful, like lit up set. I mean, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's really exciting. I think that's a really good way of trying to get an audience to come and see the show as well. To talk about a song that hasn't been released, that mm. everyone's been humming and, you know, telling you amazing things about. Is there a potential then after Edinburgh that you may release the song? Or when you feel like you're done with the show and, you know, there's no more development you know elsewhere do you think you'll ever want to release it to to please those happy audience members i mean sure maybe we we shall see it would be nice to we haven't recorded it yet but, so we'd have to kind of figure out the logistics of of doing that but yeah i think if the demand was high enough then i just couldn't say no it, it was never something that we kind of were going to release purely just because of the plot point but yeah a lot of people have been like asking for it so maybe maybe yeah who knows who knows we'll have to find <laughs> out well, Nathaniel, before we leave us talking about Sing River, do you just want to tell us the rest of the team that are on the production? Yeah, sure. So we're actually a very lovely, small production team. And I, it's kind of all people that I've worked with before. So it's been really nice to kind of just, you know, there's not been much awkwardness when we started. We all just kind of like just got on with it. So I have written and performing um, in the show. My director, Katie Kirkpatrick, we also co-produce the show together. And then we have uh, an associate producer, James Newbury. And then we've got a composer called Faye James and an associate composer called Jake Landau. Yeah, so it's just a really nice small team. And we all kind of work very well together. It's all very kind of like nice, kind of cosy vibes amongst the crew. It sounds like a great team. And obviously, like you say, when it's a small team, you really just get on. And that's so amazing mm. to have with the show like Sing River. So Nathaniel, my final question today is going to be about whether or not you have any recommendations for shows at this year's festival. So have you been looking through the brochure have there been shows that have already caught your eye through social media? I know that Twitter is really a hive right now for people <laughs> recommending their own shows. What are you most looking forward to with shows this year at Edinburgh? There are definitely a couple that have very much caught my eye. I think my favourite my favorite title that I've come across so far and a show that we've interacted with quite a lot, so I'm, I'm definitely going to see them. It's called Cowboys and Lesbians, yeah. um, which looks like an incredible show. And then, yeah, I've got a couple of friends that are taking shows up that I haven't seen. So I'm really excited to, to see their shows. My friends at uh, Peach Productions are taking a show called Wishbone to Greenside, uh, which I'm yeah really, really excited to see. And obviously, I mean, how could we forget, Diana, the untrue and untold story? I mean, that is just going to be, well, the, the absolute craze of, of the fringe yeah. it will be. So uh, yeah, really excited to see that for, I think, the millionth time. Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah. And we have Linus on this podcast this year talking about the show. Mm. So let's just round off this interview then. So Sing River is playing at the Pleasant's Courtyard in Bunker One at 11.45 in the morning from the 2nd to the 27th of August, apart from the 9th, 16th and 23rd of August, where you're going to have a wow rested day <laughs> off, hopefully. And it runs for an hour. Well, Nathaniel, thank you so much for coming on to today's podcast to talk about Sing River. I wish you all the best of the luck with the run. I'm able to see the show, which is fantastic. So I'm sure that I'll be making my way over to Bunker One to watch you one morning in August. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Cheers. Thank you, Nathaniel. 
Well, there we go. We're halfway through today's episode with our second interview there with the writer and performer of Sing River, Nathaniel Jones. I'm off to see Sing River later on this month, so I'm really excited to catch this production as it's had some great response so far, including a five star from Broadway Baby Scotland. Now, if this is the first time you've listened to this stagey place, you may not be aware that we actually have multiple hosts of the podcast. And one of those is now going to interview our third interviewee of today episode. So enjoy this interview conducted by Joseph Martin with our third interviewee, Linus Karp, who is bringing Diana, the untold and untrue musical, plus how to live a jellical life to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. Hello, welcome to The Stage of Place. My name is Joseph Martin uh, and this interview for the Edinburgh Fringe is slightly different from my usual ones, our usual ones on the podcast. Rather than interviewing a guest that I'm meeting for the first time, I'm actually sat in my flat in North London that I share with my uh, creative and life partner, Linus Karp. So while I finish my glass of wine, he's going to introduce himself. Hello, <laughs> uh, my name is Linus Karp and I am a theatre maker, actor, writer and all those wonderful things. And also my fiancé. And together we run Awkward Productions and we are taking not one but two shows to the Edinburgh Fringe this year. What are they called? Diana, the untold and untrue story and how to live a jellical life, life lessons from the 2019 hit movie musical Cats. So we specialise in, you know, catchy, succinct, short titles. Um, This will be our, oh God, how many years at the Fringe now? With this company, third time we're going up. And you've been up many times a few more times than that last year was my first one um so if you haven't encountered diana or indeed uh Jellicle, uh how would you sum up our two shows um in in a brief a brief pitch so i think i mean they're both queer chaos um <laughs> i think diana the antolanta story is a very joyful celebration of the people's princess that combines drag multimedia audience participation puppetry and just a lot of silliness and queer joy but whilst also obviously like being political and also showcasing like not shying away from her activism and her stance on things like aids and hiv um which were, were groundbreaking at the time while still being very silly um and queer angelical is so well you described it as a a ted talk from hell yeah which (laughs) i think is relatively accurate it's like it's well i I say it's a ted talk from hell or a ted talk from the upside down but that makes it sound scary or bad (laughs) i mean in a way it's kind of scary it's not bad (laughs) but i think it's you know mm. um it's a very silly very multimedia show that is basically uh the kind of lesson you never had in school but you wish you would have, how you can make your life more jellical. It's full of, you know, memes, pop songs, pop culture references. I think if you're queer and or spend too much time online, it's very much for you. Having seen Cats, it's probably a bonus, but it's not necessary at all. Um, Most people will actually haven't seen Cats when they see the show and then afterwards they'll be like, I think I'm going to have to see Cats now. (laughs) Um, And I think you should because Cats changed my life and maybe will change your life too. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think you might have just heard my tummy in the background. I've just had some noodles. Uh, you've clearly been following up PR training. You've ticked a lot of um, like the main boxes in that, I think. The multimedia thing's a big part of it. Absolutely. Uh, and and uh, both of them, audience interaction, audience participation. Um, you know, there's, there's no escape. It's very much... Uh, you're very much part of the show at an Awkward Productions performance. Well, I don't want people to come to the shows and just sit back and relax and watch a show because that because <laughs> why would you, why should you be allowed to do <laughs> exactly. that exactly why should you be allowed to relax i mean <laughs> no but if that's what you want you can go to the cinema live theater should happen there and it should be live and you should not only i like when you're not only watching the show but you actually become actively engaged and part of the show um, and that's very much what i want with my shows i mean i feel like I changed quite a lot during COVID as a theatre maker because I wanted I sort of really missed the theatrical community and live experiences so I was like the shows I want I, I'm creating I want to be joyful and I want us to experience them together as a community and that's what I think both of those shows do. I can only agree with all of the above mainly because um you are technically my boss. Yeah so I would fire you if you didn't. Yep yeah. um, now speaking of other people you could fire obviously Awkward Productions is just the two of us uh, we've been going since 2017 um, but this is the first time with Diana that we have um, brought a, a sort of a whole team on board to help create the show so who were the other people involved? 
a long list of people. Um, we got Arts Council funding for Diana, which was incredible and wonderful and made such a huge difference. And that was the first time we could actually take time to create a show and have a budget to do so. And we were able to bring in many experts. I think what's exciting about Diana is that it is a very big show on a very small scale. So because it involves, you know, drag and puppetry and multimedia, there are many people who could come in for some of for only a day um, to just teach us about that art form, basically, um, that we could then incorporate into the show. Name those people. Name drop them. I'm about to. <laughs> um, so we have two other performers who appear on screen. We have the wonderful Jerry Allen, who uh, plays the Queen. She also bears a striking resemblance to Olivia Colman, which mm-hmm. may or may not work in her favour <laughs> in this production. Um, she's incredible and she's so funny. Um, and we met during, during lockdown doing a lot of like readings online together. And I think that would just like she's so good on screen so why wouldn't we have her have her on screen in our show um she's currently in operation mincemeat so like she's doing something right clearly um and then we have the incredible zina badran um who's also done loads of tv credits including doctor who um she plays god obviously obviously god would obviously feature in a show about diana um though it's a solo show i'm joined by those two as well as some audience members um who will play certain parts. Then we've had our wonderful longtime collaborator now, Sam Carlyle, who we bring in on a lot of the projects we do. She has been choreographing this because Diana obviously has to have her dance numbers. I am not a dancer, but Sam makes it seem like I could be. Um, so I'm very grateful to Sam, who sort of makes me become a pop star. Um, alongside Wesley Maddox, who's our composer, who's written some bangers. Like I was screaming when I heard the songs he wrote for Diana. Uh, we've we've had Amy Pitter on board as an amazing designer. It's so fun to be a um, a writer, and I sort of just you know write these ridiculous things and be like, oh, then this thing happens, and then Diana pulls this thing out of her dress, and then I sort of just like tell the designer like, this is what we want, and she just makes it happen, and it all has to fit in a suitcase. Yeah, and she's been does touring that. the country, and she's just sorted everything. Um, Tara Boland, hilarious Tara Boland, who uh, was our puppetry consultant. If you see. Camilla in the show. Tara helped us bring Camilla to life. Big time. Um, we had the, the amazing Carrot as our drag consultant. Incredible performer. And they taught me how to do makeup. I'd never really done makeup before. And now I... I don't know if I can say that I can do makeup. I can do one look, which is the Diana look, which is everything I need <laughs> for now. So thank you, Carrot. Oh, um, we should we should also mention that Wes Maddox, not only an excellent composer, also an excellent graphic designer, uh, helped us uh, develop the the beautiful poster and merch for for the Diana show, which yeah. people seem to be, I mean, not to toot our own horn, but people do seem to be relatively obsessed with. And it is weird seeing people wearing um, my fiance's face it's, on their T-shirts. It's, it's a beautiful face, though. Danny Boylet as well, who's been editing all those videos. Amazing video editor. Because um, there's, yeah, the show is a lot of multimedia and some often deliberately campy effects. And he really got our vibe and got those in. Uh, Dave Bird, our photographer uh, and videographer as well, took the shoot, uh, did the shoot for the, the posters, um, gave us some really, really cool PR shots. Now, obviously, we've we've gone to, to Edinburgh, um, or you've certainly been quite a few times. Last summer was my first time. Um, what, uh, you answer first, then I think I'll give a separate answer. What are you most looking forward to about going to the Edinburgh Fringe for the full month? I think, I mean, last time I went up for, we went up for two two weeks, and I felt like such FOMO when it started and I wasn't there already because it was the first proper Fringe since 2019. Um, and I'm just excited to <laughs> to be there for the full thing. I'm not going to miss out. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> um, I'm slightly terrified. And and getting to see it back at hopefully its best and its fullest is going to be really exciting. There are many shows I want to see. There are many, like and all those you know like random shows you just happen to stumble into. All those meetings, all those creative people, and just being surrounded by all of that. And to get to perform at this festival and to bring two shows that I'm really proud of and that I've worked really hard on for for years now. Um, and I just think it's it's so, like we are with the Pleasants and we've got two big exciting spaces for it. And I just feel like this is a very exciting year and a very exciting fringe for us. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. I My personal thing, and this is, this is maybe it's a bit weird, but... Um, 
being up for Jellicle last fringe, um, when we were firing and putting up posters and promoting the show, um, it was fun to watch Linus be approached by people and say, you're the Jellicle show. Uh, or like, I really loved it. I came to see this thing. I really enjoyed it. It was really funny. Or I've seen the posters everywhere. Um, and watching my partner get sort of celeb spotted in a way uh, is, is is just very, very funny to me. <laughs> um, so actually, I'm, ki- I'm quite looking forward to that. I'm quite looking forward to people shouting just from the other side of the street, like, Diana! Like that that's my personal my personal thing that I'm looking forward to. So if you're oh, listening to this, better happen. Yeah, yeah. you better shout at me now. And you, and you see us in fringe. Like that's that's what we're that's what we're looking for, please. Please just scream Diana at my uh, at my fiance. Um and finally, to wrap this up, um, who else are we looking forward to seeing in Edinburgh? Who are our other recommendations? Many, many shows, and I'm probably gonna forget a lot of them now. I mean, Suze Kempner is hilarious and oh, I can't wait God, to see her Suze new Kempner. show. Her PlayStation last year was one of the most like funniest shows I've seen. I was crying um, after. So I'm very excited about her this year. Um, Waste Man by Joe Leather, I think looks incredible mm-hmm. and also sort of like a fun drag show. There was a couple of shows that we um, got to see sneak peeks of um, at The Pleasance a few months ago. So I'm going to name three of those, which were Bampots, um, One Way Out and also Pitch. Uh, all three of them looked absolutely brilliant when we saw snippets of them. So I'm very excited to catch all of those. I also think Stark Pollock Naked by Larissa Faber looks incredible. I mean, that, oh, that's just an endless God, list. So many. And um, a Shark Ate My Penis uh, also looks fabulous. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And like, go and see some queer work is what I'll tell people. And don't just go and see the big comedians that you can see on TV. Like, Fringe is about those, like, be bold and brave in your decision making and go to see shows that you haven't heard about uh, in small, weird spaces. Yep. I would also recommend Skin Pigeon by Lorna Rosetrain. Um Lorna performed a, a, a fundraiser or a, a cabaret thing we did a, a little while ago and um, I was teching the sound for her set and it was chaotic and stupid and hilarious in all the right ways, um, which is reasonably similar to the work that we do. Uh, and we've mentioned How to Live a Jellical Life. Uh, that is returning to the Fringe after being there last year. What made you want to bring it back again? Um, we had so much fun with it last year and I love that show. Um it was named Best Cabaret at the Edinburgh Fringe Buff Theatre oh, Weekly last year. So I did thought, we win well, a, did we did we get named Best Cabaret? Did we win a war? Maybe. Oh, um and I've had so much fun with it. And I I guess I was just last year we did two weeks. This year I was like, I wanna do a full month, but that's not enough. I'm also gonna add another show to it. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> let's do both shows. Angelical is a show that I wrote for the fringe and it feels very nice for it to return to the fringe in like we had a great time last year in sort of like a smaller space and smaller organizer was this time we come with we're going with the pleasance and we got a big space for it and that just feels very right and it's sort of like give it that run that it was meant to have had in 2020 <laughs> and never quite got yeah um so I think, and we've started, like, I've done rehearsals and we did, like, a preview in London the other day and it just felt so fun. I was quite scared that I was like, maybe I am just, you know, like, bringing back something or will it feel a bit dated now? But actually we've updated it and it feels really fun and fresh and I had so much fun doing it and people seem to enjoy it. And, um, and I would reiterate what Lena said at the start of the episode, at the start of the interview, which was, you don't have to have seen the film Cats. It obviously will benefit you, but we've had plenty of people come and see the show who have never seen the film and then either said I'm absolutely going to go home and watch it or I feel like I don't need to watch it or <laughs> I still really don't want to watch it um, and all of the above are, uh, are very valid um, that is about our time so uh, Linus Carp, I was about to say thank you for joining me but you know we live together so thanks for sitting opposite me in the living room um, where can people see Diana where can people see Jalakul and when so both shows are at the Edinburgh Fringe if you haven't gathered that so far Um <laughs> Diana is on at 4.30 in the afternoon at Pleasance Dome. Um, it's 70 minutes long and it's on, on from the 2nd to the 28th, so the full month. Um, and How to Live a Jellical Life, Life Lessons from the 2019 hit movie musical Cats Mm-mm. is also at the Pleasance Dome in Ace Dome. It's on at 9.40 in the evening from the 17th to the 27th, so basically the second half of the Fringe. Um Come and see both. Yeah, done. We'll see you there. Um, if you're coming up to the Fringe, uh, do let us know. Uh, you can reach uh, the Stagey Place podcast on all of the usual socials. We're at Awkward Prods. Linus, what are you on socials? 
at Awkward Prods, but also um, at Lena's Carp, which is my name. And I'm at Suddenly Joseph. Uh, thanks very much. Should we, uh, should we go have dinner? Oh, I guess so. <laughs> Huge thank you to Joseph, Martin and Linus Cup there for that wonderful interview talking about Diana, the untold and untrue story and how to live a jellical life. How to live a jellical life is back after being at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2022 and Diana is new to 2023 and I am so excited because on the day of release of this episode, Sunday the 20th of August, I'm finally off to go and see Diana the untold and untrue story and I cannot wait to be in the presence of royalty. Now we're slowly coming to a close on today's podcast and this series of the Staging Place Edinburgh Fringe specials but we have got one final guest for you and that is Benjamin Salmon, the writer and performer of Blowhole which performs at the Ace Dome which is inside the Pleasant Stone in Edinburgh this year. Hello Benjamin and welcome to the Stage Place. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good actually. I feel quite, it's a Friday today and I feel quite chipper and I've got like a Friday feeling so I'm feeling good. Yeah, how are you? I'm feeling really good, thank you. We've just been talking about Blowhole Off Record, which is the show that you are bringing yeah. to the Edinburgh Fringe this year. Benjamin, tell me a little bit about Blowhole. Where did the idea come for for the show? Well, Blowhole is a one-person play, and it's about a 20-something gay man living in London, sort of on his modern-day gay quest to like lose his virginity, but also to find connection and intimacy and love in a city that feels like really devoid of all of those things without giving too much away that's sort of what it's about and where the idea came from I mean it came from sort of my own experiences of life really as a 20-something gay man of being you know quite hell-bent and quite eager on like crafting like an amazing life for myself I think I did that very queer thing of like right I need to make my life a massive success, like romantically, professionally and all that kind of stuff. And then when you're in the the nitty gritty of actually like cobbling together your life and you realise how hard it is, how hard your 20s can be, like it just, it came from those experiences really of being like, oh my God, no one told me how hard this was going to be, you know, how hard young adulthood was going to be. So yeah, it came from that experience and sort of wanting to poke fun of that, but also find the heart in that and sort of, yeah, the complexity of all of those kinds of things. My friend Tom Wright, who is also the director of Blowhole, we do have a lot of fun. And I think it's like the funnest play I've ever been in rehearsals for, because I think like just sort of our connection, me and Tom is just about sort of making each other laugh in between rehearsals and scenes, which is just quite naughty and quite fun. We've done the show before, which is sort of like a bit of a it's a bit of a lovely thing really we did um we did a run of the play at Pleasance in London in 2021 and we did a little run at Soho Theatre in 2022 so it's been a year and a half really since I've sort of performed the character in the play so it's really lovely to sort of it's like meeting an old friend again do you know what I mean it feels really sort of fun and enjoyable and because like the scary thing of doing it I have done already it's sort of been really refreshing and really liberating actually to just not be so critical about myself in rehearsals and critical about like my work and actually just be like I know I can do this well and let's just have as much fun as possible especially when you're doing a solo show because it's so demanding and it's just it's so easy to sort of just be tough on yourself which I think a lot of creatives can relate to and whatnot this reiteration has just been yeah a real joy so far so yeah and I'm feeling okay but you know that could all change because Edinburgh is a beast but we'll see yeah yeah and obviously like you just said there you've had the Pleasance run you've had the Soho theatre run which means that you know you're not going up you know not knowing what audiences are going to relate to or laugh at or you know react to with the story so for you Benjamin having those previous audiences before what would your ideal audience member be coming to see Blowhole? Oh, that's such a good question. I love that. I guess, well, you know, it's, it's a little bit hard to answer just because, like, I do think, like, every audience 
for every show that you do have played, it's always slightly different. But I think it's just a desire for that audience member or audience as a whole to just be really up for it and really game. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what that, that's like the best thing about Edinburgh and the Fringe is like you are spoilt in that sort of way where people are willing to like take a risk and they're also like in a really great mood because it's like Glastonbury. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone's just eager to like have a good time as an audience. So I think it's that like tenacity uh to have fun and to have a good time i think that quality in an audience member with this play blowhole is really exciting and a good fit audiences who aren't afraid to laugh because i just i do love a vocal audience uh who are willing to sort of you know be part of the show because you know it is a one-person play but i often reflect in rehearsals and doing the show like the audience really is that second character they're there for a reason that character that i play is talking to them for a reason so when they're vocal in sort of their laughter and likewise when they go silent a bit more quieter at certain other moments in the play an audience that's responsive to what's going on in the play is sort of just like all i could ever ask for really and as long as they're responsive and as long as they're open I'll do my best to, to sort of take care of them and take them through the whole arc of the story so yeah just a willingness to sort of surrender to the play because it's a great play and it's really nice when you have audiences who are just willing to go on that journey from the minute the play starts so yeah absolutely and obviously you said before that you've been to Edinburgh in previous years so tell me a little bit about what tips you would be able to give that you've experienced in the past that you wish you knew before you actually went up to Edinburgh? Well, even if this is your first Edinburgh, you probably would have heard plenty of horror stories of like, oh God, it's so hard and whatnot. I think what I quickly realised during Edinburgh's I've done before, and I certainly feel it now going into this one, like just find your people. And if you're lucky to, enough to, you know, not be in a solo show <laughs> and you actually have colleagues or fellow actors, but, you know, I've got, I'll have my stage manager there, Lauren, and, you know, I'll have my director and my producers there for a little bit of it as well. So whether it's people in your production or likewise, if it's just other friends who are doing their own shows like really depending on those people and really just you know keeping in touch with them and seeing them throughout the festival not at each other's shows either like you know watching mean girls at one of your flats do you know what i mean like little things like that like watching a good film and like cooking for each other and sort of ranting about the day and sort of just having that almost like family time with each other as artists i think is my biggest advice actually because it's an amazing festival you know you know i'm not saying like don't go see people's shows do that but also just find that time not just with yourself but with other people where you're able to sort of disengage for a little while and just sort of be there for each other yeah as a family and as a collective of, of artists I think that's really important and you know I think FOMO is a massive thing in Edinburgh however your show's going you know it's not even to do with that you know your trajectory at the festival I think sometimes FOMO just kicks in for whatever reason I, I know it's really easy to say rather but like don't be afraid of finding that time to just be with yourself and by yourself and if you need to have a bit of a cry and if you need to just listen to a podcast or have solo time like do that that's my biggest advice which I know is a bit twee but I think is so important because it's such a crazy festival it's brilliant but it's overwhelming and I think you know I'm you know in my late 20s now and I think I always was a bit of a not anti-social person but I think a bit of a selfish person in a good way I think especially when you're at the beginning of your career, but also like if you're just an artist who is someone who, you know, takes work to Edinburgh, like artists, God bless us, we're all so dysfunctional and we're all such attention seekers and we really want to be around each other all of the time and just get excited and riled up together. And, you know, it's balance, isn't it? It's balance. Of course, you've got to have time with your collective and with your people, but also, you know, I think as I've, gotten older and hopefully a bit wiser it's just about sort of enjoying that time with yourself getting more comfortable with that time by yourself and you know that I think 
really helps me personally actually just tune out of the madness for a little while because as you say when you know people you know you're hearing things online or through the grapevine of like oh so-and-so's show's doing very well it's so easy for your critical voice to you know get out of control and to feel like you've got to keep up with something and that's not helpful or useful I don't think I think sometimes you just need to take it easy I do anyway Personally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Benjamin, my final question for this episode before we head off and listen to other people who are included in this episode along with you, Benjamin, mm. is what recommendations you would have for people coming up to the Edinburgh Fringe? So you said that, you know, you know people who go up to the Edinburgh Fringe, you have shows this year or in previous years. Whose shows are you looking out for at this year's Fringe? A few shows. My friend Kit Sinclair is taking her one-person show, 30 and out, to Pleasance Courtyard. I'm really excited to see that. It's an autobiographical play about, yeah, coming out as a lesbian at the age of 30. It looks great. I did Brighton, so I'm really excited to see that. I am a big fan of Lucy McCormick, so she's going to be there again this year, and her shows, like, shock me and astound me, and they're so outrageous, but they're so good. So I'm really excited to see Lucy McCormick's show, Lucy and Friends. And, like, I know she's famous, so I feel like I shouldn't have to give her a shout-out, but I saw that Lolly Adafope was doing some work-in-progress shows at the end of the month, and I'm just so excited because I love Lolly, so I have booked for that. And Kissing a Fool, which is a clown cabaret show all about George Michael. I know some of the artists working on that, Scarlett and Dylan. I'm really excited for that because I'm a big George Michael fan. But I'm also excited to just like find those shows like on the day or on the night, sort of like rocking around Edinburgh and you're like, oh, let's take a chance on that. So I'm excited to sort of see a little gem or a little diamond um, through that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Benjamin, thank you for coming on. Would you like to remind the listeners of this episode when they can catch your show, Blowhole? Absolutely, yeah. Blowhole, written and performed by me, Benjamin Salmon, is going to be at Pleasance Dome, at, at the Ace Dome, specifically at Pleasance Dome, every day of the festival at 2.50pm. So yeah, come and see. Brilliant. Well, Benjamin, thank you so much for coming on to the stage place. Thank you. Benjamin Salmon there talking about Blowhole, which performs at the Ace Dome in the Pleasance Dome this year. I got to see Blowhole earlier on this week, and I must say I enjoyed it so much. We have nominated Blowhole for Best Script and Benjamin Salmon for Best Solo Performance. In the long list, you'll be able to see everyone who has been nominated at the end of August. So do make sure you are checking out our social media channels for the long list later this month. So there we go. That's four weeks of four episodes episodes of 16 interviews with companies who have brought their shows up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year. From the bottom of my heart, thank you to every single person who has come onto the podcast for the Stagey Place Edinburgh Fringe specials. This has been our second series of these specials and the response has been incredible. Talking about the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is one of my favourite things to do, so to be able to do this second series has been incredible. But none of it would be possible without the guests reaching out and the PR companies working alongside us to create these interviews so I'd love to thank Chloe Nowkin PR especially for being able to liaison these interviews that we have created over this past month and my final thank you of this podcast comes to you the listener like I say if this is the first time you have listened to the Stagey Place Edinburgh Fringe the Stagey Place actually runs as a year-long podcast where we talk to creatives all throughout the country who are bringing their shows to the UK so it's been really amazing to be able to do these special if you are a creative and you've listened to this podcast and you've got a show coming out over the next year you can email us to be a guest on the podcast which is thestagyplace at gmail.com you can follow us on social media at thestagyplace on instagram twitter and tiktok so all that's left for me to say is once again thank you so much for listening to this podcast my name's been elliot you've been listening to the stagey place on this amazing journey through the edinburgh fringe festival in 2023 so until the next time you hear from me i hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey goodbye <laughs>